0: Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. and welcome to another Halloween Horror Month edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. And uh, we are actually, if if you like to join us live on Wednesdays, I'm going to get this out of the way up top. We will not have a live show next week, but we are recording it this Sunday. And uh, they're asking us in the chat room if we're going to do it live on Sunday. And uh, actually, I don't mind doing it live if that's up to you. That's... You know, we'll be doing it at eleven p uh, eleven a m Central Sunday morning. So,
1: I was about to say, Nerd Cave Retro After Dark.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> Nerd Cave <laughs> Retro, just waking up is what it'll be. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the uh, the early bird edition. Yeah. Of nerd cave, I mean, I'm I'm not against doing it live. Yeah, that's fine by me. I don't mind doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys want to watch us live on Sunday morning, yeah. And the reason why we're doing it uh, on Sunday is that I'm going to be out of town next weekend, and I'm leaving uh, Wednesday afternoon. My my girlfriend and I are going out of town for the weekend, so uh, we've got a long drive ahead of us because we're going up to Tennessee, so I'm going to try and leave uh, Wednesday afternoon. That way, we're not driving on the interstate all night.
0: So, yeah, you don't have to worry about not having a show next week. We will... Still have a show, and uh, we also are going to be doing uh, this month's um, extra episode for a Patreon, the commentary, which we are going to push back Mask of the Phantasm because, for some reason, October is getting away from us. <laughs> it's like flying by, so next week we're going to do a couple of um, just short episodes. Where we're going to do the one episode of the real Ghostbusters that I really like, the one about the sand- either the Sandman or... Um, the, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the one in the closet. Um, the, oh,
1: shoot. It's been forever since I've watched that. Mm. Uh, yeah.
0: I have no idea. The Boogeyman. Yeah, he's like the Boogeyman. He lives in the closet. It's one of the scarier episodes. And then we're going to do an episode of that really weird Pac-Man thing on
1: Netflix. That's a nice way of describing it. Yes. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, we'll, uh. We, we got some fun stuff. And like you mentioned, the month's just kind of gotten away because I just remember the other day, I was like, oh, crap, I got to set up the, the Evil Dead roundtable mm-hmm. for my show. So I, I got uh, you and Mr. Steve Wise yes. on the call. So we'll, we'll actually, um, I'd like to do that live as well. So uh, I think we're going to plan on 7.30 p.m. Uh, as of right now. But I'll post final details on all the social medias. We'll be discussing uh, all things Evil Dead. Uh, as voted on by members of the Derek Diamond Experience Patreon. Nice. So a lot of good stuff to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. Uh, yes, uh, Mixmaster, it'll be this Sunday, the
0: uh, the 18th, we'll be recording that uh, early episode of Nerd Cave Retro. And uh, yes, you guys, don't forget to, uh, we're coming up on episode 200, so get me your recordings. Uh, just a short little, you know, uh, MP3 recording. Just do it on your phone or whatever. Uh, fifteen uh thirty seconds, and send it to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. I'm gonna put all those together. Uh, just send us uh, anything you want. Uh, you know how much you like the show. Uh, some of your favorite moments from the show. Your favorite games. Even if you hate us, send us a <laughs> send us a voice message, and we'll play it. Um, that being said, how has your week been, my friend?
1: It's been very busy uh, for those who are watching the video version. You can tell I am uh, on assignment once <laughs> again. We we had a, a late event uh, here at work, so uh, set up shop here. Uh, the connection—I know last time I did the show here, we had some issues with the Wi-Fi, but uh, my laptop is hardlined into a newer router, so connection seems to be good. So yeah, you're we've coming got in that uh, loud and clear. Sweet. So. Um, other than that, been really, uh, really busy with work. The cool thing is uh, on Saturday, I'm actually going to be working over in um, Mobile, Alabama, which is kind of like the middle ground between mm-hmm. where I live and you live. Yep. Uh, I'll be there uh, at the University of South Alabama actually working a football game for their uh, ESPN broadcast. So cool. Doing. Uh, I might be running camera. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to be doing yet, but. I'll be doing that on Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, just really, really busy stuff with, uh, with work. Because we've got some big events we're doing at the end of the month and even in, into November, so... That's cool. We're spending a lot of time here.
0: Mixmaster, if you mention Fester's Quest again in the chat room, I'm going to have uh, Rampage boot you from the server. <laughs>
1: That's Actually, that was a good thing that we might be able to... Um, um, Throw in there is uh, Best Rant
0: Yes We've had some good rants on the show
1: Oh for sure, but no, for sure. I've but actually
0: um, been uh, Contemplating Actually pl- uh, playing Fester's Quest On stream And uh, so people can see my rage When I play that stupid game
1: I'd love it <laughs> I'd love to see it
0: Uh, But um, I've been pretty busy. Work's been crazy the last couple of weeks. Um, Plus, I've been doing a lot of practicing for Castlevania this Friday, the 18th, from 8 p.m. Central to 10 p.m. Central, right here on my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash jfunktastic. I will be participating in the RGB High Score Tournament, Um, and for the month of October, it is Castlevania. The original Castlevania for the NES, and I've been practicing my butt off. I've been playing that and Rondo of Blood, which I'm reviewing tonight. So I'm starting to hallucinate Medusa heads flying at me at this point because it's been nothing but Castlevania all day, all night.
1: Well, I'll be—I'll uh, definitely be tuning in uh, whenever I get the chance. So I, I thought you did well with uh, with Ninja Gaiden, so. Look yeah, our, forward to seeing what you're doing with um, Castlevania. Our buddy Nate um, uh, at Retro
0: Gaming Dev did his runs last night, and he ended up with a 29, I think 2907. So he broke a, a sub 30, and I'm hoping I can get uh, around that same time. So we'll see. I'm still struggling with Dracula, so I don't know. We'll we'll see when Friday gets here.
1: We'll all be rooting for you. Well, thank you,
0: and I'm pretty much ready to go into the news. Are you? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Here's a weird story that uh, <laughs> uh, Rampage sent this on the email. I didn't see this coming. This is from GameRant.com. GameStop announces multi-year partnership with Microsoft. Uh, Just one month prior to the launch of the Xbox Series X, GameStop has announced a new multi-year partnership with Microsoft. The new partnership between GameStop and Microsoft is seen as a strategic move for both companies as they will combine their resources for mutual benefit. Uh, The partnership will see GameStop stores integrate Microsoft technology. They'll begin utilizing uh, Microsoft's cloud-based data storage and business application applications. This will assist store associates when it comes to learning customer preferences and will give them real-time information on product availability. They will soon receive new Microsoft Surface tablets that will allow them to move freely within stores, allowing them to assist customers without necessarily having to be at the cash register. Additionally, GameStop associates will also begin using Microsoft 365 and Microsoft Teams as well with the goal of improving customer experience. So what do you think about this? I'm, it's kind of a weird partnership, don't you think? Because honestly, I'm surprised GameStop has lasted until now. Don't get me wrong. I've had some good experiences, you know, the last year or so going there. But for the most part, GameStop really isn't relevant anymore, especially coming up in this next generation.
1: You know, I thought GameStop would ultimately be a casualty of the pandemic. That's what I thought. To be too. completely honest. Yeah, the, the whole thing just you know I, when I was reading it earlier, I was like, this whole thing just seems really I don't know if random is the right word to describe yeah. it. But like you said, it's a very strange partnership. But it's like But I, I don't see why? what Microsoft
0: gets out of it. I mean I yeah. it seems like games GameStop gets more of an advantage than Microsoft does. Because Microsoft doesn't need GameStop. And it says here that um, GameStop will be offering Xbox All Access, which allows customers to get their hands on next generation consoles like the Series X and S, as well as an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription for a relatively low monthly cost. Can't you just do that from your Xbox itself? I mean, why would you need to go to GameStop to get your Xbox All Access or Game Pass? I don't get
1: it. Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I don't know. The, the the whole thing like you said, GameStop would need Microsoft way more than Microsoft would need GameStop. So, it just it doesn't make any sense to me as to why this partnership is happening.
0: Yeah, it makes it honestly it makes no sense to me whatsoever cuz Microsoft, I mean, yeah, they were in a very they were in what third place this last generation. Like, very far behind Nintendo and PlayStation. But they're still... Are they in that bad a shape they need to work with GameStop? That kind of worries me, honestly.
1: Yeah, I... I don't know. I don't know either. I really don't know. It's just weird. But something that's not weird is this next story from readretro.com. Icon Heroes bring more details on upcoming Karate Kid action figures. Karate Kid, a martial arts drama film for uh, other kids released in 1984, became a phenomenon. It popularized karate in the USA, spawned sequels and an animated TV series, a remake and tons upon tons of merchandise, and a very successful Netflix show. Mm -hmm. And now there is more of the latter to come from Icon Heroes. The figures, which are of protagonist Daniel LaRusso and his opponent Johnny Lawrence, Stand stands six inches tall. They both have 29 points of articulation to show off that famous crane kick. Well, at least for Daniel if the movie is to be followed. <laughs> Three different heads and a pair of hands. Dressed in their all-valley tournament outfits, you can relive the showdown, which in the end gave one of them the sweet victory or change it to your own ending. They are now in production and available for pre-order for $40 each. Whoa, <laughs> oh, 40 bucks! Yeah. I mean, they look cool,
0: but not forty dollars cool yeah I don't know if I could drop forty dollars on the on these is that each or for both of those each, each. holy crap no I mean these are cool. I can almost buy a video game for that look even
1: their toes are articulated I know that's I mean <laughs> don't get me wrong I think it looks really cool both of them look really cool but I can't justify paying forty bucks for for an action figure. Yeah,
0: and they're only 6 inches tall. I, I mean, maybe if they were like a 12-inch figure or something, I could see 40 bucks. But no, no thanks. These are cool. I'd love
1: to have them. But man, 80 bucks for both of those? No thanks. No. no and I, I've gotten much more into, because of Cobra Kai, the whole Karate Kid universe and the lore of it. But yeah. not enough to spend that much money on two action figures. I'm excited for the next season, though. I can't wait for it to drop. Oh, I know. I I'm glad they're releasing it like at the beginning of 2021. Because when mm. I saw that first trailer, like, oh, season three coming next year, I'm like, oh, I hope they don't wait till like the summer. But I know, <laughs> no, it's like January 8th, I believe.
0: Yeah, it's coming really soon.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for it. If you haven't watched Cobra Kai, do yourself a favor and go watch it because both seasons are very good. Yeah, very very good.
0: Uh, this next story is something that uh, I know one of our regular uh, listeners and friends at the show, Joey Image, is going to get into. This from NintendoLife.com. Sega's next microconsole could be the Dreamcast Mini, but don't expect it too soon. Uh, Yosuke Okinori... Uh, the Sega staffer, or Okinari, uh, however you pronounce that, the Sega staffer who has been heavily involved with many of the company's recent retro ventures, including the Sega Ages line and the Mega Drive Mini, has hinted that the company may take a, tackle a Dreamcast Mini in the near future. Um, he uh, said, Next, we're considering concepts similar to the Mega Drive Genesis Mini. If I had to name some ideas, something like an SG 1000 Mini, or a Dreamcast Mini. Uh, He states that they won't be able to complete the next mini console project due to its scope by this time next year, or in other words, two years after the Mega Drive Mini was released. Uh, Because of the high cost and time necessary to develop, um, Sega's going with the one that has the most realistic potential for success in the global market, which, you know, it'd be cool to see the SG-1000 Mini because that that was like the very first... um, Sega console, which I don't even know if we got those in America. I'm not we may have. I don't even remember if we got those or not. But the Dreamcast, that's a home run right there. I know so many people that would go for that because the Dreamcast is one of those mythical uh consoles that everybody loved but nobody had. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think if you want the masses to get the next mini, it has to be the Dreamcast. Because like you said, it it never achieved like that Genesis level of fame. But it did have its own cult following. And the Dreamcast had some really good games for it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, not a lot of people had it. So I think those who missed out on the Dreamcast might be open to getting the mini. And plus, it's you're really going to depend on if they do it and to what they put on it. Oh but yeah. I I think a Dreamcast mini would do very well. I would get one. Oh, same. I Man. even I had an original Dreamcast. See, I never had one. I only played
0: it a couple of times um uh just the, you know, the demo kiosks at uh at Toys R Us. I never had one. But if this thing came out, you know, 75, 80, uh 90 bucks. I'd drop it easily for a Dreamcast because I love the Sega Genesis Mini. I mean, that was a really... That was a well-done purchase that I made for the Sega Genesis Mini.
1: Definitely. I I think a Dreamcast Mini would do extremely well. Oh, yeah. That's a beloved console. Yeah, and SG-1000 might... Be good for like the the diehard Sega fans, but if you want the the masses to go out and buy something, you got to go with the Dreamcast, and I don't think it's even close.
0: Yeah, but that's one of those things. The SG one thousand, they should put out like, uh, you remember? Did you ever get any of those? Um, it would it just looked like an Atari controller, but it had like you know twenty game Atari games on it. It was just plug and play on the TV. It should just Mm do that, (laughs) you know, with the original S G one thousand controller and just, you know, put a you know, a little S D card in there that has, you know, twenty or thirty original Sega games on it and sell that for twenty, thirty bucks.
1: Yeah. No, I think that would be the route to go. Yeah.
0: Not bait made by at games.
1: <laughs> no. No to at games. So our last story comes to us from nintendolife.com. Amazon Prime Day 2020. Best deals on Nintendo Switch games, consoles, micro SD cards, and more. It's that magical time of the year again, Amazon Prime Day. This annual event is usually held earlier in the year. It was held in July of 2019. As we've discovered through the course of the year, 2020 likes to do things a little bit differently. Mm. Delays aside, Amazon Prime Day 2020 is reportedly shaping up to be the best one yet. And with Nintendo soon facing competition from the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S consoles, we're sure we'll see some great deals on Nintendo Switch console bundles, games, and accessories this Prime Day. Uh, below, you'll find all the best Prime Day 2020 Nintendo deals going to the UK and the US. Let's see what we've got here. They got them all mixed together here with... Uh, yeah, I see the UK. console bundles. Yeah, that's all UK, <clears throat> U.K. U.S. deals. Here we go. Let's see. All right, here we are. So we've got, uh, for games, just to mention a couple, we have Breath of the Wild, uh, the digital version for 40 bucks. Yoshi's Crafted World for 40 bucks. Splatoon 2 for 40 bucks. Uh, let's see. That's more UK. More UK. Ah, here we go. Here we are in the US. All right, so, um, Nintendo Switch accessories. We have the Nintendo Switch steering wheel for 18 bucks. A gaming headset for 130. A really cool-looking dockable case. That's in UK. That's eight pounds. Um, Oh, that is cool. Yeah, and micro SD cards, we have a 512 gigabyte for 80 bucks, 256 for 40. A really cool looking Nintendo licensed one with a star and a mushroom on it, <laughs> which is in the UK. Uh, but no, some, some pretty cool stuff, I think. You know, if you're looking to, if you still haven't played Breath of the Wild, you know, now's your chance to play it for a discounted price. I uh, got some cool accessories too, so definitely go on uh, Amazon Prime and check that out. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, if you have a Switch and you need to get a a um, an SD card to up your your storage, definitely hit up Prime Day because they have the uh, one hundred twenty eight gigabyte from SanDisk, and it's only twenty bucks. That's way cheaper than the uh, the Nintendo branded one. Yeah. And the games are so small for, for the, uh, especially if you play a lot of indie games, you'll never fill that thing up.
1: Well, and I, I, I know you're rarely going to use that amount of space, but I like that they offer like the 512 gigabyte cards. Yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah, you're never going to use, use all of it, but. It's almost like that peace of mind thing, knowing that yeah. you'll never run out of space. That's a lot
0: of space for the, just the yeah. switch.
1: Half a terabyte. Yeah. Just think, like, a half a terabyte is on a tiny SD card. And I can still remember the days mm. of floppy disks. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Three megabyte floppy disks. <laughs> oh, if you were in megabyte form, you were, you were on cloud nine in the yeah. digital world. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, I remember the, the entire storage for my uh, Hewlett Packard back in '94 was like, oh man, it, it, I don't think it only had like 124 meg or something, something really small that would just like you wouldn't even be
1: able to fit like one song on it nowadays. Yeah. Uh, the evolution of technology is really fascinating. Yeah. But let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: In October of 1984, Namco releases Pac-Land and lays the foundations for hor- horizontally scrolling platformers. Didn't you review this? Or
1: what was the one I reviewed, you reviewed? I reviewed Pac-Man 2.
0: Oh, uh, because it was a side-scroller, too, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that was... I don't know the technical term, but Pac-Man moved himself, and you had to guide him by manipulating the environment. One of... I, I think it's Tyler Watson that I have this dispute with, because I think he likes that game, and I do not. But, no, this huh. this I've never played. I've never this played is, this either. Actually, hang on a second. Maybe I did. it It does... Because there's a screen cap of the arcade version. It looks kind of similar, just with less advanced graphics. You no, know, I think I had this
0: on Commodore 64. This is bringing up some weird buried memories. Yeah, let's see. Uh I wonder if my mom and dad still have that Commodore 64 buried somewhere at their house.
1: That would actually be really awesome. <laughs> if I could if find did. that, that would be awesome. Oh, man. That'd be great. Let's see. October 18th of 1985, Nintendo releases Duck Hunt for the NES in North America. This game contains who I consider to be the original <laughs> troll, the Duck Hunt Dog. The damn dog. <laughs> but the best thing about the Duck Hunt Dog was when they included him in as a character in one of the Smash Brothers games because the reveal trailer for him was awesome. I remember we talked about that at length. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, like, I thought it was absolutely brilliant that they included that character because it's like you can... If you grew up with the NES, you knew how annoying that dog was Mm -hmm. and that you finally got the chance to... Take out you know thirty plus years of frustration. I thought was brilliant by Nintendo. Dude, and I can't believe
0: that just a few years ago everybody was going crazy online when they when everybody found out that the uh, second controller port could control the duck. I'm like, how did nobody else know that? That was common knowledge when I was a kid.
1: I guess it was just one of those things that didn't survive through the times. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. On October eighteenth, in nineteen eighty-seven,
0: one of my favorite Nintendo games was released. Mike Tyson's Punch Out was released in North
1: America. A lot of good games came out in the month of October. Mm-hmm. It's a good month. You, you can you can go back and you, on our Google Doc, I still have the saved gaming histories that we've done throughout the month. October was a very very good month for retro games. Yeah, it was. Very very good, but no. Mike Tyson's Punch Out. That's one of those games that's synonymous with the original NES. Mm -hmm. You think of you know Mario, Zelda. I would throw in Metroid and Mega Man in there as well. But Mike Tyson's Punch Out definitely up there too.
0: That was definitely one of those games that you go uh, for a a sleepover. uh, You know, at someone's house, someone brought the the Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and that's what you you stayed up all
1: night playing. Oh, for sure. On October 3rd of 1989, Broderbund releases Prince of Persia for the declining Apple II, having been in development since 1985, but ports to other systems turned the game into a hit. Never played any of the Prince of Persia games.
0: Yeah, you didn't? mm um, I played it a little bit back in the day, here and there. Um, I don't think I've ever actually owned a Prince of Persia game to play. I know it was uh, it was pretty innovative the way they uh, did rotoscoping for the for the character and stuff. So
1: mm-hmm. I, I do remember that little um, trivia fact about that is it, it's almost revolutionary sense when it comes to that aspect of gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, on October 28th of 1994, Killer Instinct
0: is released in arcades. It's the first arcade machine with an internal hard disk. Love I Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct. Man, I can still remember going to the mall, Aladdin's Castle, you walk in the doors, and there's Killer Instinct right inside the door, and it's just surrounded by people playing uh, playing against each other. Killer Instinct was just... Oh, that game's so good.
1: I never played the arcade version, but I played the Super Nintendo port uh, at length, and I, I know I've mentioned this story before, probably when I reviewed Killer Instinct, but... Years ago, I had this VHS tape that was a behind the scenes look uh-huh. at the first Donkey Kong Country game. As a post credit scene, the host of the video walks into this room that was labeled Top Secret. Uh-huh. And there's a, a group of like six people gather around a TV. And when they see the guy, they like push him out of the room and they push the camera guy out. But you very briefly see the Killer Instinct logo on the TV. And I was like, Wait, <laughs> what, is, what is that? I wish and they sure would turn it's, new... it's one of the, still one of the most underrated fighting games ever made. I know. I was I was just saying
0: about to say that. Like I don't know why they I mean it's it's ripe for a re-release and uh, a remaster. Get on that Nintendo.
1: Let's Well do it. Rare well it was made by Rare so Oh that's right. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so they made a new version for I can't remember if it was the 360 or if it was the Xbox 1. But I remember the reviews were not nearly as good mm. as
0: the original ones. So. Seems like that that game would be made for
1: tournament fighting, you know? Oh my god, yes, absolutely! On October thirty first of nineteen ninety eight, Naughty Dog releases Crash Bandicoot Warped for the PlayStation. That would be the third installment of the Crash Bandicoot trilogy and one of the last games that. Uh, or one of the last Crash games that Naughty Dog made. Somebody, I think Crash Team Racing was their last one. Somebody brought that, up
0: on a, a, a podcast this last week. Do you think they'll ever put Crash Bandicoot in um, Smash Brothers?
1: I think he's the last big character that they have to do. Mm-hmm. If they do that, they've got to have some type of... like When they do the reveal trailer, they have to include Mario and Sonic in it. Oh, Somehow, yeah. like just to have those three <laughs> together would be like the 90s kid in me would just fangirl out over the entire thing. But you should just start the trailer
0: I... out where they have, uh you know, Crash Bandicoot like sitting in his house with his feet up or something. He hears somebody say it like on a bullhorn calling him out and he looks out the window and it's uh, it's Mario and Sonic. Be like, so we heard you were talking
1: smack. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I I don't know how much more DLC uh, Smash Brothers is going to have. They just released two of the Minecraft characters, mm-hmm. which I think is actually a really good get for Nintendo. Yeah. But if they add Crash Bandicoot, that, there's no reason for them not to do it, in my opinion. If they can work out some type of deal with um, I don't know what specific company owns the rights to Crash, but if they could get him that would be I think Crash is Naughty Dog. And Naughty Dog stopped making Crash Bandicoot games yeah, but he years might ago. Still be the IP
0: might still be or is it owned by Sony or is it owned by or was Naughty Dog just the the developer? That's
1: actually I something. Think, I think Naughty Dog might have just been the developer, but either way, if they can get Crash Bandicoot for Smash Brothers that would make some major noise. Like People geeked out when they announced Banjo-Kazooie, but I think it would be bigger for Crash Bandicoot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, On October 11th of 1999,
0: Rare Rare released a lot of stuff in October. uh, Releases Mm -hmm. Jet Force Gemini, a third-person shooter inspired by 80s arcade games for the Nintendo 64. I like Jet Force Gemini.
1: Yeah, it was a fun game, and I feel like it's one of those that is not really talked about when it comes to rare games because we've mentioned all the epic titles that they released for nintendo consoles in the 90s but jet force gemini doesn't really get talked about yeah this might be a fun game to to review oh yeah within the next few weeks i haven't played jet force gemini in a long time probably since like, 99 or 2000. Same here. It's, probably, it's been at least since 99 since I've played it. And finally, on October 25th of 2000, Spyro Year of the Dragon is released by Insomniac Games for the PlayStation. It was the third installment in the Spyro series and the last Spyro game developed by Insomniac. I know a ton of people loved Spyro growing up. Mm-hmm. I have never played a Spyro game in my life.
0: I haven't either. You know, you remember we had uh, Steffi Lou Who on the show and she did the the Spyro re-release. It was like, what, mm-hmm. a year or two ago? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I never played any of the Spyro games. That was completely out of my wheelhouse, those games.
1: Do you find it difficult sometimes to remember what time frame we reviewed certain games?
0: Yeah, (laughs) and there would be stuff like, oh, we just reviewed that like a month or two ago, and it'd be like 2017. I'm like, (laughs) what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's the same thing happened to me the other day. I was like, because I was thinking of stuff to review like in November and December, and I was like, wait, I've already reviewed that. I want to say I did it earlier this year. Or it might have been end of twenty nineteen. I look and it was like one of the first thirty episodes we did. Like, yeah.
0: well, I was way off. Same here. I, a couple of weeks ago, I played Bill and Ted on uh, streaming, and I was like, man, I need to review this. And then I looked back and it was like, it, it, like one of the first fifteen shows we did. and I was like, I have no memory of reviewing this game at
1: all. All the days just blend together yeah. at this And the fact that it's 2020 <laughs> and everything that's been going on makes it even worse. My but. dad
0: told me the truth when I was a kid that once you get up in like past 35, it's like it just goes by quick, man.
1: <laughs> well, I even remember noticing my senior year of high school, I started to notice things were moving at a faster pace. Like my senior year of high school went by really quickly. College was a blur mm-hmm. just because it happens so fast and it's just nuts. like, it's crazy to think we've been doing the show now for over four years. And it almost seems like maybe a year ago that we started doing it. Yeah, I know. Times. Wait till you're over in your
0: forties. I'm 43. I, I forget how old I am all the time. I'm like, wait, am I 40, 41? 40, wait, no, I'm 43. Ugh.
1: <laughs> all the time. I'll be uh, at the halfway point. To uh you know, I won't say halfway to forty, but I'll be thirty-five next year. So you're I'll be there. Wait half till a hit, decade away from forty.
0: <laughs> Wait till you hit thirty-five. You're gonna have your thirty-fifth birthday, and then you're gonna wake up and you're gonna be
1: forty. You're gonna be like, what the hell happened to thirty-six through thirty-nine? What essentially I'm going to do is I'm going to walk outside and just reenact uh, Charlton Heston's ending in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> uh,
0: before we go into the uh, the review for tonight, Derek has some
1: shout-outs. As always, we like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armez Jackson, AxeBlade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, aka The Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, and Tyler Watson. Thank you guys so much for keeping us at the $50 level and keeping the lights on here in the Nerd Cave Retro Studios. And because we are still at the $50 level, we will continue to do those really fun commentary tracks. As we mentioned, we're going to be doing essentially a twofer for this month. Uh, that we'll be recording in the next couple of weeks. And then we'll be doing Mask of the Phantasm in November. And if you want to contribute and be a part of our awesome Patreon community, head over to patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And tonight we're going to be
0: talking about... Oh my god! The music for this game is so good. <laughs> I, you want to just keep? You just want to keep that rolling the yeah, rest of the show? Just, I will be okay with. I'll it. I'll just put on the YouTube channel with that whole soundtrack, and we'll just play that <laughs> the rest of the night. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Um, <laughs> Castlevania: Rondo of Blood is a platforming adventure video game developed by Konami for the PC Engine, uh, the Super CD-ROM system, uh, directed by Toru Hagihara. Part of the Castlevania series, protagonist Richter Belmont goes to save his lover Annette, who was abducted by Dracula. It was the first release exclusively in Japan on October 29, 1993. A direct sequel, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, was released worldwide in 1997. The game was remade for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System as Castlevania Dracula X in 1995, and the PlayStation Portable as Castlevania, the Dracula X Chronicles in 2007. None of that's confusing at all. Uh, in 2008... Well,
1: still, still not on the Final Fantasy level.
0: <laughs> yeah. In 2008, the original game was released for the Wii's Virtual Console service in Japan and for the North America and PAL regions in 2010. In 2018, the game was included along with Symphony of the Night within the Castlevania Requiem Collection for the PlayStation 4. The title is also playable on the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, which is where I played it. Um, And when you have the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, you have choices of um, the TurboGrafx and the PC Engine. And this is where I played it, was the PC Engine um, and of course it was all in Japanese, so <laughs> it was kind of hard to, uh, you know, just kind of trying to guess the, you know, what was going on in the, uh, opening cut scene because I never played this for the Super Nintendo. I think I might have a ROM of this somewhere on my computer and just never played it. Um, I need to go back and play this. I might actually stream it for the Super Nintendo one of these days, um, the Dracula X, because I never played it. I did play... The only one I played on the Super Nintendo was uh, Super Castlevania Four, which uh, you reviewed for the show, which is an excellent video game. Um, yes. And I found Rondo of Blood to be equally enjoyable, but in my opinion, it is way harder than Super Castlevania IV. Uh, and I don't know why. It just seems like Maybe it's it's easier on the Super Nintendo because it was notorious back in the day that uh, Japanese games were way, they were dumbed down <laughs> for for America um, because they were all games were always harder in Japan. So I, I'm not sure if maybe uh, you know. Uh, and Mixmaster says it, it's damn hard. Dracula X is damn hard. Like maybe it's the same. I'm not sure, but man, I had a lot of trouble trying to get through this game. I mean, just not only are just the regular enemies, uh, you got some regular enemies in the game that are, are, I wouldn't say they have weird patterns, you know, when you're going through the game, sometimes you're going through and just these, you know, like a huge, uh, bolt mechanical half dead bull will come crashing through the wall and just chase you through the whole castle you know, that type of stuff. And then you get to the bosses and the bosses are... Even the level one boss is freaking hard, man. Like a, any other game, it would be a final boss of the game. But I'm going through this thing and, uh you know, I'm having a a ball playing it, but man, it was freaking hard. I think I only got to like level four and I don't even know how many levels are in the game. Uh I know I got through... The third level, and then I just I just stopped. I was like, man, I can't go anymore. It's so damn hard.
1: So is it hard? Like in the frustrating, like because we talked about this. There are two different ta- categories of hard. There's hard where it, it motivates you to keep going, but then there's the level of hard that it's so frustrating that you just walk away from the game. It's kind of it, it's, it's
0: it's about halfway. But if there's another little category. In between those two, that's where this sits, <laughs> where okay. it's like it, it when you're, you play it for a while and you're just like, oh, you keep dying and you're, you get to the boss and you die and you're like, oh, I know I can get through this. But then you just like, you'll die on some random, you know, stupid little trash mob and you're just like, I'm done. And you slam the, you know, slam the, the, the console off. It's, it's that kind of frustrating.
1: So I'm reading here that um Richter Belmont's distant relative, Maria Renard. I ho- hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, also becomes a playable character. That kind of adds an interesting little dynamic yeah, to it. I didn't even like. I haven't even
0: gotten that far yet. Um well let me tell you about the plot tell you guys about the plot. Uh taking place in 1792, Rondo of Blood is set in the fictional universe of the Castlevania series. Uh, the story centers around the eternal conflict between the vampire hunters of the Belmont clan and the immortal vampire Dracula, who has once again been resurrected. Uh, the protagonist is a nineteen-year-old Richter Belmont, uh, uh, Simon Belmont's direct descendant. He comes to the castle after his beloved Annette is kidnapped by Dracula's servant Shaft. He <laughs> is talking about Shaft <laughs> as bait for a trap. Damn right! <laughs> You're damn right! Um, Richter makes his way through Dracula's castle, defeating his minions, including the Spirit of Death, a headless knight, and a minotaur, all of whom attempt to stop Richter along the way. Richter can free various women, kidnapped by Dracula's servants, to feed him, including his distant relative, Maria Renard, an orphaned 12-year-old who assists in joining him. Uh, Terra, a nun who mistakes him for a manifestation of God. Iris... Uh, the daughter of the village doctor, and finally Annette. After vanquishing Shaft, or Annette who has been turned into a vampire if he fails to rescue her in time, though this is only in the PSP version, not the original release, uh, Richter confronts Dracula and defeats him before exposing him to sunlight, causing him to vanish. Uh, Dracula's castle then collapses into the sea as Richter escapes on horseback. So, it's your basic, you know, Castlevania structure, I mean you know it's not much different from the other castlevania games you got to go through the castle got to find dracula got to beat his ass and then you win and then you're on to the next game where you're another descendant of simon belmont um <laughs> you don't need really need to change up the story much when it's a castlevania game because that's what you go for big monsters uh you know whips and and secondary weapons which One of the things that disappointed me about this game is I've been playing a lot of the original Castlevania. Um, And yes, Rampage, I was just about to get to that. He said the Holy Water doesn't seem to be very effective uh, in this one. Could be wrong, but the Cross is my go-to. Same here. Uh, The Holy Water is actually way overpowered in the original um, Castlevania for the NES, which you pretty much use that to just, you know... Win the game. It's like the win button is the uh, uh, the holy water, but in this game, it is severely underpowered, and I pretty much just try to save the you, you know the boomerang cross throughout the entire game as I went through because it's pretty much the most powerful secondary weapon. And uh, so it's
1: like saving the scrolls in Ninja Turtles.
0: Exactly. Once you get the cross, you try to save it at all costs. And uh it's really cool cuz you go through like second level of the game is uh the first part of the castle like level 1 of the original Castlevania NES game like you go through and it it uh it's pretty much the same setup as the original castle some of the same enemies uh you go through and you go through the very final st- where the original boss would be um the bat that you fight at the end of level 1 but then you go through a door it's outside, and that's where you fight the the werewolf, which uh took me a couple tries because he's got a pretty wacky um you know pattern, which is some I I just wish this game would be a little more I guess nowadays you would have games like Super Meat Boy or um, you know, like uh what are they called? The um what's that genre of game, Uh, roguelike where you die and then you instantly restart like right back at the beginning there and go through it again. Yeah. Because I hate dying and then having to go back to like the beginning of a level or whatever. It's just kind of, damn it, I got to go through all this again. (laughs) That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally get that. I, I can't stand it either.
0: But uh, but it's pretty fun. The graphics are fantastic
1: for this. game. I was noticing that whenever um, I was looking at the Wikipedia, it looks really freaking good. Yeah,
0: this is one of the best looking games that I played so far on the uh, the um, Turbo Graphics Mini, uh, and the music like you heard some of the music that was like you know uh, an updated version of the original Castlevania theme. Man, I would love to... I I just need to find a playlist or just download a playlist of this um, soundtrack because it kicks ass. It really does. And that was one of the things that I loved about this game because the the soundtrack totally goes along with the aesthetic of the game. Um, You know, and the controls are pretty good I mean it feels still feels a little stiff like the original Castlevania games not quite as fluid as uh super Castlevania 4 does um but you know playing the original Castlevania and then playing Rondo of blood there really wasn't much difference between going back and forth between those two because you know like I said he's pretty stiff in this game but it's it's not like game breaking or anything it's just just the way those games are,
1: you know? It sounds like, and I'm going to sound like a broken record when I say this, because I have said this at nauseum, but what it sounds like to me, and I, I haven't had the chance to play this game yet, but from what you're explaining, it sounds like they've taken the Castlevania formula and just added little subtle layers to it yeah. to make it not necessarily a brand new game, but not the exact same thing. But still keep like the core elements yeah. of what makes Castlevania good.
0: Yeah. And just makes it a little different each time. And, uh, but also <coughs> takes what you, you know, places that you remember from earlier games and gives them a, a new coat of paint. So you're like, oh, I remember this place, you know, and it's cool to go through those places again, especially knowing that, okay, in this game, it's 100 years later. And here's what the castle looks like now, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, And I think it was uh, Rampage said it in the chat room that um, there are different paths you can take through each couple of levels where you can take different paths. And um, I noticed that because there were some times where um, I would be going through the level and get knocked down into a a pit. And you would think in, in any other Castlevania game that would be instant death. But in this one, it drops you down to like a sub level. And you got to go through a whole different path to get to where you were going anyway. To get to the the boss level, it's really cool the way they. I like did that it. a
1: lot, actually.
0: Yeah, like you'll be going through the main hallway of you know, say the big church or whatever. You get knocked down into a pit, and then you're in the sub subterranean underneath the church, and you got to go through this whole other stairwell to get back up where you were. And it's it's really cool because I mean it's. I, I think this might be, it's not exploratory like a, a Metroid game, but it does seem to be like, uh, you know, each time you go through the game, you could kind of find new areas that you hadn't been to before, which is a really cool concept for a, a Castlevania game.
1: Well, it also adds replayability to yeah. it, too, because you can take the, the normal route, but Mm-hmm. when you find out about these sub levels, you can be like, oh well, I'll try this just to, you know, make, make it a little bit different in the next playthrough.
0: Yeah. And and you know, they did that for Castlevania Three too, where you could, they had the the forking um paths that you could take through the game so that it's different every time you go through. And I really like that. I just wish that this game was a l would have at least had some uh like difficulty levels that you could set I definitely would have turned down the difficulty a little bit. Um maybe in some of the later versions they do. I'm not I'm not really sure. Um there's no you know there's a hundred different ways to get this game. <laughs> so I would love to see some of the newer versions of it to see if there's like a difficulty level or whatever, but um it's a cool game and I definitely want to go back and play the Dracula X for the Super Nintendo cuz I never played it. And uh you know I love the Castlevania series. I've yet to play a Castlevania game I hate. Even though 2 is probably my least favorite, I don't hate it. I just think it's there are some mechanics in that game that are really aggravating, like the day night mechanic and all that kind of stuff. This kind of just could have done without that. But I do like the uh the kind of RPG-ish um stuff they tried to do with it. Um but I just I just love the Castlevania series. This is definitely I loved um which one was the one for uh Bloodlines for the Sega Genesis. That one was great. This one's great. And the games if you never had the TurboGrafx 16, you know, back in the day and you're curious about it, I would say definitely go pick one up because I I've played some pretty good games on it so far. You know, I played the uh, uh, Splatterhouse, I played R Type. Um, there's a really cool puzzle game on there called Man Fu. Uh, and of course, there's the PC Engine stuff on there. There was a lot of Japanese stuff. Of course, this is on there, you know, Castlevania, a um, bunch of other stuff, a lot of shooters on there. So if you're a shooter fan, definitely go pick up the TurboGrafx 16 Mini. And, you know, it's a little expensive. I think it might still be around 100 bucks, but. If you're, you know, if you got a little extra cash, I would definitely say it's worth uh, picking up one.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to play it whenever you're done with the TurboGrafx because I, I definitely want to check out this game and some others that are on it as well. And it, it's funny because I remember growing up hearing about the Castlevania series, but never played any of the games. And it's through doing this podcast that I actually played them. Mm -hmm. And they've been a lot of fun. So that's the beauty of doing the show is you get reintroduced to things that you missed out on, you know, growing up or even just stuff that you didn't even think you ever would play. Absolutely. Uh, this was
0: included within the Castlevania Requiem compilation for PlayStation 4, uh, along with Symphony of the Night. Um, they're retranslated versions featured in the Dracula X Chronicles, um, See, though, only the 2D sprite-based version of Rondo of of Blood is included because they did do a, um, let's see, there was a, it says uh, the Castlevania Dracula X Chronicles is a 2.5D remake of Rondo of Blood for the PlayStation Portable. Um, It includes the original PC Engine game uh, and a port of its sequel, Symphony of the Night. Um, but I don't know anybody that has a PlayStation portable at this point. Um, so they did Those put it still around. I don't think so, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to actually get this. Uh, I'm going to look for that this weekend. Um, cause PlayStation four games are probably going to get pretty cheap here pretty soon. And, uh, this is definitely one I want to add to the collection, the Castlevania Requiem compilation, cause I would love to play this, um, with, uh, tr- retranslated. And um, it's, let's see, the reception uh, Reception of it was positive. Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly stated uh, it can easily be the best CD title uh, yet and argued that the only negative aspect is that it would not be released in the USA. Uh, they later awarded the game Best Japanese Action Game of 1994. Um, GamePro commented declaring Dracula X to be the greatest Castlevania of all time would be a slap at Castlevania 4. For the SNES, but earmarking X is one of the 10 best side-scrollers of all time is a no-brainer. Uh, IGN awarded the Wii port its editor's choice and described it as enjoyable and worth the wait. Um, and Nintendo Life praised the level design, soundtrack, graphics, and level of difficulty. Um, it looks like it got great reviews across the board, which I can see that because, you know, it's got great, great music, great graphics. It's a little hard. But nothing that, you know, just sitting and playing with it, you know, playing it over and over, you know, you get, you get, you know, the more you play something, the better you're going to get. I only played this for a couple of days. I'm sure if this was something I've been playing, you know, for years, I'd probably be way better at it than I am now. But, uh, but on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give it a good solid 8. I can respect that. Especially as a Castlevania game. I was very impressed with it. I really like Castlevania. And if you're a Castlevania fan, this is definitely one that needs to be in the collection wherever you want to play it. PlayStation 4, you know, if you still have a Wii, or, you know, if you want to go grab the turbografx 16, there's no shortage of places to find um a port of this game.
1: Absolutely. Now, like I said, I'm excited to play it whenever I get the TurboGrafx-16, but we are going to keep the Castlevania train rolling for (laughs) this Sunday's live show because I will be reviewing the first Castlevania game for the Nintendo 64 simply titled Castlevania or Castlevania 64, if you want to call it that. So uh, again, didn't play it when I had an N64 growing up, so I'm excited to go back and play it. I remember that
0: one not being that great because uh, it didn't translate that well to a 3D environment for the 64.
1: Well, if it's a bad game, it'll be even more fun to review.
0: <laughs> I just wish that Konami would get off their ass, man, and and do a new uh, Castlevania game. Can you imagine if they did a Castlevania game, uh, an open-world Castlevania game, sort of like... Uh, you know, like like Sony did with uh, God of War or sort of like the, you know, the Devil May Cry series with that kind of combat. Like, just give us something, man. There's such... Uh, people love the Castlevania series and especially even the, the you know, the, the Netflix series. Like, there is a a love out there for Castlevania and I think Konami is literally... Leaving money on the table by not coming out with a new, a, a new generation version of Castlevania.
1: They should release one for next Halloween. They should. I don't see why not. Release it October 2021. Ca- call it Castlevania whatever you want. Make it like you just mentioned mm-hmm. and just watch the money roll in.
0: Or they could do it based on the Netflix series, that storyline. Ooh, that'd be great. And have it, you know, like a game based
1: off the TV
0: show version.
1: I'd be down that'd for probably, that. That would actually be interesting. Like, that wouldn't be a dynamic or a route that I would expect them to take, but I, I'd play it in a heartbeat. I mean, come
0: on. Come I love I mean, the Netflix show. Come on, Konami! I, I, you're worse than Nintendo. I have money I want to give you, and you just won't give me what I want.
1: (laughs) That's a bold statement that they're worse than Nintendo.
0: (laughs) Well, who was it that was it? Mixmaster, you told us last week, and they're making nothing but plinko machines lately. Who was it that told me that? Hmm.
1: I am the Rampage. Said a game based on a series. Based on a game. Hey, yes,
0: they did the Street Fighter. Street Fighter, the game, based off Street Fighter, the movie. (laughs) Based off of Street Fighter, the game.
1: Street Fighter, the movie, the game. the game. Based from a video game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why not? Yeah, come on. I I don't disagree with you. I do not disagree with you at all. I think that would make some really good money Mm -hmm. if they were to do a new Castlevania game.
0: Absolutely. But uh, but that brings us to
1: the end of
0: the show. That was a fast one.
1: Yeah, oh, no, man. it feels like we've only been talking for like 20 minutes. I know. But it's been yeah, a little over an hour, I think.
0: But uh, anything else you want to throw out there before we leave this evening?
1: No, just as always, check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Oh, I did want to bring this up. So I mentioned a month, maybe two months ago, that... Uh, I was submitting my podcast uh, to be oh, yeah. nominated for best podcast for In Weekly's Best of the Coast. In <laughs> is like a local newspaper we have here in town, and I got one of the uh, runner-up positions. So it'll it'll be officially announced by the time this uh, podcast is available for download. Uh, it'll already be announced. I found out today, so it's it's really cool. And plus, it's a it was a vote-in award, so like the, all the ballots were right in. So that's the fact awesome. that it was mentioned was was really cool. So thank you to everyone who voted. I got this for you. <laughs> Congratulations. Love the air
0: horn. Um let's see. Horn. Uh the only thing I got coming up, like um tomorrow night at seven o'clock, we're going to be doing the uh the open micers podcast right here on my Twitch channel. Um go follow that at OpenMicers on Twitter. And also don't forget, Friday night. At 8, eight PM Central, right here on my Twitch channel, I'll be playing the uh, the RGB High Score Castlevania tournament, and then eleven AM Sunday morning Central Time, right here, we'll be doing next week's Nerd Cave Retro Show. If you, so if you you're up Sunday morning early, and you want to hang out with us, we'll be right here talking about retro games. Um, so Derek, I think that's just about it. Anything else before we go?
1: No, I don't believe so. Just thank you to everyone in the chat. It's so fun watching everyone interact in the chat every know, week. You, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. So thank you guys, as always, for the support.
0: Yeah, you guys were lively in there tonight. I love it when people hang out with us. Uh, yes. Go ahead and play our music here. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Don't forget to get those uh, thir- 15 to 30-second uh, MP3s to us uh, before the Next spoken. week or so. Um, we're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at, NerdCave, uh, at jfunktastic and at derek underscore diamond. We're at Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro and we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro where you can throw us a couple bucks a month to keep the lights on and if you keep us above the $50 level, we will do commentary episodes every single month for you guys. If you can't do that, can't leave us a couple bucks, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold. So, Derek, please, tell them what it's all about.
1: May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. I have spoken.